Hi everybody, this is Kim Honeycutt. And this is Dan Bruzak. Danielle Justice. And so if you've been a regular listener, you're kind of used to our voices and used to our names by now. Various ramblings. And various ramblings. We're so grateful for you that you took the time to listen in. And so what's about to happen is that you're going to hear our 20-minute speaker from February's talk. And our title, our topic that month was Rejected to Accepted from Lost to Found. We hope you enjoy. This is Macy. Enjoy. Two years ago, I was sitting in this room, and I was lost, lost in my grief and lost in my pain. And I didn't know what God already knew that night about me. He knew that on February 19, 2019, I would be here sharing with you a little bit of my journey, a piece of my heart, and reminding anyone that needs reminding that we have a God who is also a great rescuer and that he has a knack for going after lost ones. So Kim, thank you. Thank you for creating a space, a place for people to share things that are hard to share and for people to keep it real. God, thank you for going after lost ones. Thank you for going after lost me time and time again. And thank you for showing up. You guys came. It was raining. If you knew the work that it took to keep these bangs from getting wet, they're new. And I knew that them getting wet was, was going to be a problem. So that was hard work for me. And I can't imagine what it took for you to get here tonight. So truly, thank you for coming and, and sharing the space with me. So I am one of those people that goes outside and runs in the cold but I pay money to do that. Like I sign up for races and pay money to run. Isn't that kind of weird? A bit ridiculous, right? Yes, yes. I mean, I have thought this in my head, like you don't have a lot of money. Why do you do this? But here's the thing, y'all. Running for me is when I connect with God the most. And I can't explain it. I will just say that I've experienced it. So when I'm running a lot, I'm drawing near to God, and therefore sometimes that means paying a little money for it. Well, recently, I had an interesting running or race experience. One of my favorite gals, uh, was she had signed up for a run, and I found out that her friends that were planning to run with her could no longer make it. They couldn't do the race. And this was a half marathon, and I knew that she did not really enjoy running distance alone. So I started thinking, I'll run it with her. I'd, I'd like to do that. But then I remembered, Hannah is an Enneagram 8. I love Enneagram 8s, by the way. And, and, and what that means is if you've ever worked out with an athletic Enneagram 8, you know that running with them is like running with G.I. Jane or G.I. Joe. Now, see, I run to meet with God, not really to be G.I. Jane. And I mean, I would like to be, but I'm just not. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out and just be real with her. Sis, I would love to run this race with you, 
if it would bring you joy, if it would be more fun for you. But I can't keep up with you. So I can run the whole thing and you will probably need to run slower or I can run three miles as fast as I can and maybe give you three or I can come with a sign and bells and um, cheer you on that way. She thought about it um, and we decided we'd run it together. And uh, so that morning I get there and I find out a, a new piece of information. Um, the race had hills, y'all. I don't run races with hills. Like I actually avoid them. I didn't train for hills. And so immediately fear set in. I'm curious if she knew that, that, that fear set in. Um, it did. So uh, we start. And y'all, I hang with her for seven minutes. Not seven miles, seven minutes. And all I could see was sister's backside. And it was looking pretty good, actually. But um, uh, now, I wasn't upset about that because she has always been the type of friend that we cheer each other on, even if we're not right beside each other. I wanted her to finish strong. The last thing I wanted to do was hold her back. But the funny thing was, you know, I thought I showed up to encourage, inspire, and cheer on my friend. God had different plans. Hannah ran a fierce race that day, and she did not need me beside her. And God was about to do some work in this soul. And he was just using Hannah to, uh, to get me there. So um, there I am alone running in a race that I really hadn't planned on running. And I'm thinking about hills. Like, I can't even see a hill. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm already there. I fear the feel, or I feel the fear. Wow. And the negative self-talk begins. You can't do this. You've not even trained for this. What were you thinking? You are going to finish slow. This is going to hurt. It's going to be painful. Why did you do this? And I realized that that race was starting to resemble my life and the way that I had been living the past few years. You see, four years ago, I was becoming a mother while I was saying goodbye to mine. And y'all, my mom, I won the lottery with moms. I wish that every child could feel what it feels like to be loved by her. And so when I had to say goodbye to that love, it hurt. The biggest heartbreak I have ever experienced, even though I knew all the good news, this was more of a see you later. She was in eternity. She was in the presence of God. But I wasn't. And I don't know if you missed it, but I shared that piece. I was becoming a mother while losing mine. So add in postpartum hormones. Those are fun. And a big move away from all that felt safe and familiar, away from family. And my grief soon met depression. I remember feeling guilty. 
because I was so exhausted and I didn't know why and it made me angry. I was embarrassed that doing laundry, washing dishes, cleaning the house and keeping my child alive felt like a marathon every day and I stunk at it. I felt shame because God had given me the most amazing little girl and I loved her more than I love myself, but I still didn't want to get out of bed a lot of mornings. And I was so ashamed of that. I felt shame because she did not deserve a depressed mother. She deserved the best, and I knew that I was nothing but that. And last but certainly not least, I felt fear. I was so afraid to lose anybody else. If we had all the time tonight, I would tell you another story, the story of my hero of a brother. His name is Jamie. Because I'm a little long-winded and we're pressed for time, I'll get to, the, get to the heartbreak of the story. At seven, I had to say goodbye to him. He was 14. Seven young years, I learned that not everybody lives till they're 85. Sometimes kids die. Sometimes your big brother dies. Something about my mom's death awoken in me some things regarding his death that I thought I had dealt with. And suddenly I felt paralyzed by fear. It was even entering my dreams as I would dream about my daughter getting hurt, her falling out of the crib. I would see her broken limbs dangling. Now, none of that happened, but these were in my dreams. My husband would be running late from work, you know, like 10 minutes late, and I would in my head think, he's dead, car accident, I'm a widow. I'd start writing his eulogy, like irrational, unhealthy, fearful thinking. And the fear almost felt like protection. I know that sounds crazy, but it was owning the way I was living, and it felt safer to be afraid than to live a way that is not afraid. So, back to the running. You can see how my fears of these, these hills that I hadn't even reached was much like me fearing the what-ifs of life. And I had what I like to call a Genesis 3 moment. Now, I think it's important that you know this. When I was running that race with Hannah, I actually had already sought help for my depression. And I had been working through that for about a year. And so I wasn't, during this race, dealing with the shame, the guilt, the depression. I was working through that. But do you know what I was white-knuckling? The fear. I was white-knuckling the fear. I did not want to give that up. 
But God knew with this run that it was time. It was time. And so I had what I call my Genesis 3 moment. Now, if, if, if you're not familiar with Genesis 3, Adam and Eve royally screw up. They listen to the lies of the enemy. And it says that God is walking in the cool of the day. Now, of course, that resonates with me because I'm thinking God went on walks with them. Like, I love that. He went on walks with them. I feel like God goes on runs with me. So love that part of the story. But here's the thing. They hear him coming and they hide. And he says, Adam, where are you? It's important that we recognize that that question was not for God. God knew exactly where Adam was. That question was for Adam. For Adam to think about, where am I? Why am I hiding? And that's the same question that I felt like God had for me on the day of that hilly race. Mace, where are you? Why are you hiding? God, I'm afraid. I cannot make it through losing anyone else. I don't want to bury my child. I don't want to be a widow. I don't want to see one of my best friends suffering. I'm out. I can't do it. Something about getting real with myself and getting real before God was extremely empowering for me. I said my fears, and somehow they were a little less scary. And guys, God met me with an invitation. He met me with an invitation Bob Goff says, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just deciding that fear is not going to call the shots anymore. And that's what me and God decided that day. Fear is not calling the shots of my life one minute longer. He said, Mace, you were not created to live afraid you were not created to experience this gift of life with fear. That is not who I made you to be. And I took hold of that invitation. And so in the days forward, instead of listening to that negative self-talk, can't do it. You weren't born for this. It's safer to play scared. I started preaching to myself, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. Guys, that, that, that spirit of fear, it is not a God-given thing. What he gives us is love and power and a sound mind, and that is the place to live from continued to preach to myself, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out all fear. 
what I realized was that the real tragedy, the real scary thing, would have been continuing to live my life fearful and not going all in and loving my people. Like that would have been the real tragedy. Because I can promise you that when I take my last breath, or if I have to watch my daughter or my husband take theirs, I want to know that I have loved them with every ounce of me. Not that I've been afraid to. And so when I read, perfect love cast out all fear, I know exactly what that means. Love is the best choice. Christ came because he loved us, because he loved God, and he did what only he could do so that we could walk in love and not in fear. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Continue to preach it to myself. Here's the thing. I may, if I continue to live, likely experience more death. It could be my own. It could be a friend. But I have a God who says, I will be with you. When Jesus is given names in the Bible, one of his names is Emmanuel. I love how God is so into the details right down to the stinking name. Emmanuel, what does that mean? God with us. That's what happened when Jesus was born. God said, I want to be with you so much that I will put on human flesh. I want to show you what it means to be human. And so I will walk around as Christ and be him. He is the with us God. And so, again, even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God promises to be with me. And isn't that the cry of all of our heart? Hannah didn't really want to run that race by herself. My daughter, Mama, will you play with me every day, all day? And honestly, the girl in here saying, God, will you be with me? Just like he joined me on that run and gave me an invitation to kick fear in the tail. He's given me an invitation to walk this life with him this hard and messy and painful but beautiful life. And I believe that he wants the same for everyone in here. I would imagine I'm not the only one who's ever felt lost. I would imagine I'm not the only one in this room who has ever lived afraid. Maybe some of you are fearing that he's going to cheat or he's going to cheat again. 
Maybe you're fearing that you will never be able to bring a baby home. Maybe you're afraid to slip back into addiction. I don't know your fear, but I know someone who does, and I can promise you that he loves you. He dreamt you up. You are his image bearer. We are image bearers of the living God. And he does not want us to waste another breath in fear. This life is too amazing to live scared. Thank you, guys. Thanks again for joining us. ICU Talks is a mental health ministry founded on God, education, validation, and community. ICU Talks hosts live events that occur on the third Tuesday of every month, allowing people to come forward to share their authentic stories involving mental health in front of a live audience. Please subscribe to our podcast, and we'd be very pleased if you would leave us positive and uplifting comments. Keep in mind, all original ICU Talk sessions are available on YouTube, And for more information, please go to icutalks.org. It's been a pleasure having you join us today.